rev up your engines and accelerate towards economic growth, introducing Backroads of Appalachia, the groundbreaking initiative that fuels economic development through motorsports. Motorsports has long been more than just a thrilling spectacle. It's a dynamic platform that ignites growth in local economies, creates jobs, and transforms communities. When we invest in motorsports, we invest in innovation. The quest for speed pushes boundaries, leading to cutting-edge technologies that find applications in various industries, from automotive to aerospace. But that's not all. Backroads of Appalachia generates tremendous employment opportunities, from skilled mechanics to marketing specialists. We're revving up job creation for people from all walks of life. And let's not forget the fans. Motorsports events draw crowds from all over, injecting a surge of tourism into local businesses, hotels, and restaurants. And shops thrive as visitors gather to witness the exhilaration of the track. Hosting motorsports events puts your city on the map. It elevates your community to the global stage, attracting international audiences and investors eager to be part of the excitement. But Backroads of Appalachia doesn't just cater to established businesses. It nurtures the aspirations of future generations, too. We inspire young minds to pursue careers in STEM fields and motorsports, paving the way for a brighter, more technologically advanced tomorrow. Join the Backroads of Appalachia movement today and experience the engine of economic development roar into your community. to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Here we are with uh, Appalachian Table Tales. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode. We've got a guy sitting across the way from me today that is uh, a super interesting guy. Uh, it's kind of funny how me and you met. <laughs> we was both in the market for a side-by-side, and I kind of bought one out from underneath you. <laughs> but I led you to another one, so it worked out, right? Sure did. <laughs> uh, let me look something up here just to make sure I've got myself on the right track. Yeah, I do. Okay, so uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and let everybody know who we got here today. Yeah, my name's Anthony Greg Isaacs, and uh, we run Warfork Mountain Shepherds right here in McKee, Kentucky, and that's about it. I'm retired and, and uh, just loving the life down here. Yeah. Now, he says that's about it. <laughs> like there ain't a whole lot to you. But uh, this guy, 
before we started recording, was showing me some of these paintings that he does. And we was talking a little bit about the dogs that you breed and everything. So, uh, which I find both very interesting and stuff. And these paintings that he's showing me is, is amazing. Uh, how, you've got paintings in some of the, in one of these portfolios from how old did you say? Five, six, seven, fourth, fourth grade, fourth grade. And you managed to keep those, which is amazing because I ain't got nothing from when I say my mom's got them, but I don't physically have anything like that. So the fact that you was able to keep them and maintain them the way you have, that's something else. And they're really good <laughs> at that age, fourth grade. God, I couldn't draw and I still can't draw a straight line. Yeah, there's a story behind that too. I, uh, I lost a lot of artwork over the years in school when you, you know, you turn something into the art teacher and you don't get your art back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I so remember that. I, I've, I've, I've lost a lot. But in ninth grade, I had a teacher keep my whole sketchbook. And, okay. And uh, I didn't get that back until my senior year. Wow. I mean, I, there was a girl. I mean, she went looking for my sketchbook and actually yeah. got the whole sketchbook back from that art teacher wow. and brought it to me i'm like i couldn't believe i got all my stuff back yeah you, that's unheard of you usually don't ever see it again i never thought i'd see it again but yeah but, you know that art teacher must have kept it three or four years now i remember taking art classes when i was in elementary school and they would i don't know if either they gave them out or my parents went and bought it but it was the white just flip style sketchbook with just blank sheets of paper in it i remember drawing in that a lot and handing it over to the teacher at the end of the year or whatever and it just disappeared forever but uh yeah uh do they teach art in school now i don't know if they do or not i if they I, don't i they don't should. either when when i was in high school we had a <clears throat> cartooning mm -hmm. av uh, layout advertising advertisement and uh painting one and two drawing one and two and uh um lettering oh yeah i took them all <laughs> i was yeah it shows i took them all it shows i'm gonna take some pictures of some of these paintings uh, uh some of these paintings and drawings that you've done uh for the for the appalachian table tales facebook page because i believe people which now you're part of the uh, creative community creative community so people can also see i'm sure see your paintings and drawings through that right i'm not for sure i didn't go to the last meeting so i don't know how they got it set up yet okay but yeah i'm sure i'm sure if people wants to see them you make them readily available to to see them because they're they should be showcased they really should so i'm gonna, but like i said i'm gonna let you pick out some of your favorites and i'll take some pictures of them for the facebook page if you don't mind and put them on there because it's it's really amazing it's something that i wish a talent that i wish i had but i believe like i said earlier you either got it or you don't you know <laughs> and, and i don't <laughs> so yeah uh have you ever like taught classes on how to draw and paint and stuff mm, just working with my grandchildren yeah i've got i've got a you know the sophie gail wilson the paintings I showed you of hers, mm -hmm. and then there's Gabby who's living with us now, and uh, I've got one of her paintings in there. Okay, okay, it's really good. I was telling you, telling him, uh, Greg, earlier before we started recording that I've got a buddy that I work with, uh, old Brad. He listens to the podcast, so he'll hear he'll hear him talk, hear me talking about him. He uh, started taking these classes up in Somerset, 
and I don't know specifically what it's called, but this guy is like the part of the Bob Ross School of Painting or something like that. And uh, you got to pay for the class and bring your bring your canvas and stuff. But he provides all the oil paints and the brushes and stuff like that. And uh, Brad said that he you know has never painted or drawn anything in his life, but he went to this class, him and his wife, and he showed me this painting that he done. And it's really impressive because, like I said, he's never done that type of thing before in his life. And he's actually, him and his wife both really, like, really enjoy it. They've been, I think, three times now and uh, plan to go back again. And uh, he said it's a long class. It takes about four hours to, you know, paint on a standard, I guess, what you'd call standard canvas. But he, they really enjoy it. So I think uh, I was flirting with the idea of, of me and my wife taking it up. Because it is fun, and I would imagine that it's really uh, relaxing, too. I really, do, I really wouldn't know how to begin to even teach. Yeah. I mean, it's easy with my grandkids. I say, hey, do this, do this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and hope that they see what they're doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you know, it, because a lot of times when you start a painting, that painting's going to look like, you know, this ain't the way I want it to look, but you've right. got to keep going with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like molding clay or mm-hmm. molding something or building something. Just you're building on it, you know. But um, uh, and, and then the way I do things, it's it's like um, I told you about Peter Granison yeah. and his yeah. Granison brushes. Like I'll watch him on youtube and watch him paint and i thought wow man you know I, I think that's really cool that's different so i brought his bought his brushes and then i started working with them brushes but then i'll me watch another artist and and it'll be like a john lissandra and my my favorite painters are uh uh yuri yushkovich and mm-hmm. yuli yushkovich from russia oh, and, yeah. and and i'll look at their paintings and i'm like you know these guys would you know, I, if I paint one of their paintings, it'd take me maybe three weeks, but I can watch them do it in an hour and 45 minutes, you know, and I'm yeah. like, and, but then I start incorporating all these different styles to where even I'll use a stipple technique in, into my paintings, like, you know, dots. Oh, really? You know, I'll, I'll even do that. I mean, I just throw, it's almost like taking <clears throat> everything you ever learned and saying, well, this will work like this here, you know? Mm-hmm start putting stuff together like that i believe that's part of what i mean when i like you say it's you couldn't even begin to to know how to teach somebody i believe that's because it comes with just having the innate ability natural talent to do it you just can do it you can't explain how you can do it it just comes natural to you so just automatically probably being able to do something it would be hard to teach anybody uh like I know how to do things that I couldn't even begin to to know how to tell somebody or teach somebody how to do, but uh, with drawing and painting and stuff like that, I believe it's a lot more complicated. So yeah, it's it's easier for me to walk by somebody and they'll be painting something and say, well, how how would I make this look like this or how would I make this you know color or something? And it's easier for me to say, well, here, this is what I would do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It, then then to teach it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be telling me that a lot. You'd be like, uh, I'd do this to that part and this to this part and erase that. <laughs> I think that's why my grand uh, granddaughter said I was a mean art teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'd back up sometimes. And this, when, when working with her, I'd just back up and I'd say something like, well, do it your way. Yeah. And then I'd sit there and I'd watch her paint and I'm like, 
man, that came out really good your way. Oh, yeah. you know, listen yeah. to nothing I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because even somebody like me that knows nothing about drawing or painting or anything like that, I remember watching Bob Ross on TV. And he would start off, you know, everybody knows Bob Ross. He's an awesome guy. And uh, I found out yesterday at work, because we was talking about painting and stuff like that, that he was a veteran. I didn't know that. And, uh, but, uh, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. They, yeah, I would sit there and watch him paint, and then he'd make a stroke of the brush or go completely down the canvas. And I'd be like, well, you just screwed it up, Bob. You know, why did you do that? Me trying to tell Bob Ross what to do or he screwed up a painting. And then five minutes later, you're like, oh, that that's made it look a hundred times better. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll paint these beautiful sceneries and then all of a sudden right at, right in the middle of the painting and say, we're going to put this line right up yeah. there. And you're like, oh man, I'd have left it like that. Then, then after he gets his tree in there that he's going to yeah. paint, you're like, wow, that does look cool. Yeah. <laughs> that happy little tree or that happy little squirrel over here or something, or I believe is what he said. But, I remember, I remember all the time being like, oh, you just screwed that up, Bob. What'd you do that for? And that's really funny that, <coughs> you know, you brought, bring up Bob Ross. When, when Sophie was nine, I came home and the wife said, hey, did you see that painting in there on the fireplace panel that Sophie painted? And I, and I said, no, I didn't. So I went in there and she'd gotten into my paints. And I hadn't painted, painted since high school. And, yeah. and, well, I hadn't painted for 30 years. And, uh, and I was looking at that painting, and I, I remember looking at my wife saying, did Sophie paint that? And she said, yeah, she'd been up there real quiet in your room. She got in your paints. And, yeah. And then I found out Sophie had been watching Bob Ross. Oh. See, that's yeah. another thing, too. And, I, and, and that night, uh, Sophie, Tammy had to work, and Sophie and Harper were staying all night with me. So I took them out for pizza. Then we went to Walmart, and I bought a. I think I spent like ninety dollars on paint supplies. Yeah. And and then when we got home with our pizza and everything, I said, "Sophie, now show me how you did that." Mm -hmm. And then we just got to painting together. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I don't know. We just I don't know. From there, you know, things started coming back to me. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was painting. Either I was painting with her, or I was painting one. You know, when she was gone. But yeah. I just got to painting again. Yeah. So I think I've painted. In the last three years, probably 150 paintings or something. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'd say that that's got to be, I mean, anytime you're spending time with your kids, grandkids or anything like that, that's the best time in the world. Yeah. And pass something down to them, you know, that's great. I remember, and that goes hand in hand with anything, I, I believe. You know, you say she said that you was a mean teacher or something like that. I remember when I started working for my dad in his construction business and uh he was teaching me how to finish you know put the mud on the walls and stuff like that and there is kind of like legitimately an art form to spreading that mud and uh anybody out there that does drywall work will will tell you that it's the hardest work they've ever done in their life and i got a lot of respect for that field but uh my dad god he'd get mad because i wouldn't do it the way he wanted me to which was the right way you know, the way he was trying to teach me was the right way, but I wasn't having it, you know. Uh, I mean, from little intricacies like keeping all the mud on one side of the pan so you can put your five-inch knife in there and get just the right amount of mud on the knife to spot nails. Or uh, I remember him telling me, you know, when you're putting the mud on a seam to put the tape on, you want the, the mud on the right side 
the top side of the knife only because it spreads evenly that way. I never understood why it mattered, yeah. you know. So I would just scoop a big clump of mud up on that five-inch knife, and it'd fall on the floor of somebody's new home. Granted, it was just plywood, you know, there wasn't no carpet down or anything. Sometimes he was doing remodels, and I'd drop it on their carpet and stuff. But uh, the point of him teaching me that was that if I'd done it the way he'd done it, there would be no mess, you know, because it uh, gave a little space for it to spread along the knife as opposed to putting it on the knife, it just drop off of it. It took me years to understand what he was talking about, but in the end, his way was the right way. So, yeah, he get, uh, me and him went at it a few times. I'm like, Dad, I know what I'm doing, and me brand new and him doing it for 40-some, 30-some years at the time. It sounds like my dad. <clears throat> Everybody, you know, down around this area, they, <clears throat> where, this is where Dad was born up on, uh, we call it Macedonia Ridge. Oh, yeah. Yep. And with Dad, it was, man, don't cut nothing a half inch too short. Yeah, yeah. You'll see him in action. And uh -huh. I'll never forget, we was doing it upstairs and and, and uh, sent him up a piece of drywall, uh -huh. a half inch too short. Yeah. So next thing I know, he throws he throws a hammer and it busts a hole right in the drywall, you know, and yeah. a piece that we'd already put up. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and my brother said... Dad, now that almost hit me in the head. <laughs> and then Dad turned his back, walked down through here. We'd put these two <laughs> chandeliers in the ceiling. And going down that hallway, he jumped up and just jerked them both out of the ceiling. Really? Oh, he had a temper. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, my dad had a temper with me, working with me. But with everybody else, you know, he was calm. Hey, do this, you know. And I never did understand that. But later on in life, I realized, you know, you're going to be harder on your family than you are anybody else because you want them to you know excel in whatever they they're doing yeah everybody want me to do the cutting and do the measuring <laughs> yeah they told me i think well, i know my dad did and the other guys i was working with they was like always they said to measure twice cut once you know because you didn't want a board too short because that board was junk or you'd have to use it someplace else smaller area or something like that so they would always say measure twice cut once <laughs> Smart, smart, uh, smart thinking on their part. <laughs> and I was going to tell you, if it's okay, yeah. I, was, I was going to talk about some of these other artists here in the yeah, go community. Ahead. Yeah. And well, everybody knows uh, Lori Tincher mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, Vicki Gabbard. And, mm -hmm. and then I met uh, <clears throat> Janice Smith, and they used to have classes. And, and uh, she was showing me through a book that she had. And... And I got to see work by Pam Colton. Let's see, Teresa Welker, Wilma Nunn, <clears throat> Carol Car Carr, and Donna Welch. Yeah. And and you know, looking at some of them paintings, I was like, you know, I, I looked at her and I said, I would paint with them. <laughs> oh know? yeah. I mean, I'd paint with anybody, but you know, I seen things in them paintings where I'm like, I like know how she did that. You, oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I can't help it. It seems like, um, you know, looking at other people's work, you're always, I'm always admired with it. I mean, oh, yeah. there's Brenda Ward in this community, and, and I look at Brenda's work, and I'm like, I can't duplicate that. How does she get that, the, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it gives you inspiration, you yeah. know, from other people. You draw inspiration from other people, and you... I, you'll never stop learning. I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like you know. Just with anything, it's just like this podcast. I've gotten ideas from other podcasts and stuff that I wanted to uh, uh, put into mine, and 
just goes kind of hand in hand with everything probably so yeah draw inspiration from other people <clears throat> ain't nothing wrong with that it, it's just you know i was telling uh telling you earlier you know when i was up in connorsville it seems like i lived there my whole life and, and it just seemed like you know before i moved down here five years ago it was uh i met one artist and she said she was an accomplished artist you know mm -hmm. and told me she got to go shake hands up in indianapolis i can't remember with who if it's a senator or what but 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 anyway you know i seen some of her work and i thought that's pretty good you know yeah. and and uh and i thought you know i lived my whole life practically there and i i met an artist but since i came here in mckee it's like god man it's like everybody can paint yeah yeah i mean it just what's the odds of that why did i notice that like mm -hmm. i mean looking at people's paintings they got books and they you know and i'm like wow yeah. man everybody in this community can paint it's really amazing at the talent that there is in jackson county and unfortunately, not a lot of people know about it, but that's part of the creative community's mm -hmm. mission, I believe, is to let everybody, because y'all was on here once before, and uh, uh, one of the main focuses of the creative community is to put the people's work out there, mm -hmm. let it, let other people be able to find it and know that, hey, we've got this kind of talent in this county. So all of them people that you just mentioned, you know, there's probably a lot of people in this county that don't know them or don't know that they have this talent and stuff and it's really important to be able to know hey we've got a lot of talent and not even just painting and and uh, drawing and stuff you've got quilt makers and just a slew of people that does these things that needs to be put out there i think what got me started was <clears throat> i remember it was second grade that's when I that's I mean it was I'm trying to think of her name it just slips me right now but uh she was babysitting for us and uh <clears throat> excuse me anyway she uh she uh brought her sketchbook she's a senior you know here I am second grade and and mm -hmm. I remember I never forgot it man looking through her sketchbook yeah I was like man how'd you do this oh this, this is an all dot drawing you know what we call a stipple yeah. And, and it's just nothing but dots and, and all these different things I seen, you know, mm -hmm. and then the time that I got to high school, you know, drawing and stuff like that. I think eighth and ninth grade, I, I, I ventured out kind of on my own because, you know, you go to Kings Island, you see these guys doing the chalk portraits of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, man, I'm going to do that. So mm -hmm. I got me a chalk pad and, and I think I did six chalk portraits and, uh, I still got four of them today, but, um, I don't know. That didn't work out. I never went to Kings Island to be a chalk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to work with chalk. Chalk was interesting, but yeah. But uh, I don't know. When I got to high school, I was fortunate to, to you know, to learn how they did cartoonings, learn how they do a comic book. And, mm -hmm. I mean, Mr. Joy, he was amazing. I mean, he could he could show you so many things. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he did the drawing one, drawing two, painting one, painting two. He's the one that did the lettering class. I mean, yeah. and, and man, I was drawing Mr. Joy because he, he taught everything that was in that babysitter sketchbook. What about that? You know, I remember a guy that I went to school with, and I remember, I, and there's a point to what I'm about to say, but this was in elementary school, whatever grade I was in. I'm, I don't believe it was fifth grade, so I was beneath fifth grade. Uh, when this uh, from this memory but there was a guy a buddy of mine in school 
And when we would get out for recess and go outside and play like normal kids, he would stay in the classroom and draw. And I don't think he'll mind me uh, saying his name, but his name is Stephen Holloman. And his dad, uh, from what I remember, was a real talented uh, uh, violin maker. I think he made banjos too. I may be wrong about that, but I know he made some really high-end violins. But Stephen would stay in class and draw, you know, and he was really good, really good for his age. And I I, I remember him being such a good uh, hand to draw and paint and stuff, and I remember asking him to teach me how to draw. And he was all about it. You know, I sat down one day in recess and – he was like, hey, this is how you do this. And there was a specific picture that he drew, just drew over and over again, probably just one of his favorite things to draw. He taught me how to draw that. Uh, now, because, you know, I didn't have the natural talent that he have, I kind of lost interest in it and stuff. But I always remembered that. And I'm 43 years old now. And I remember that specifically. And the point that I'm making is that throughout anybody's educational career, you know, you got math and English and science and all this and stuff. And then you've got art classes and then you've got music classes and all these uh, other classes that depend on you having some type of talent in order to do it. More often than not, from people that I've talked to in my life, those classes is where they really hold a lot of information from and remember it from whether they stuck with mm -hmm. the class or made it into a career or whatever they always remember those classes specifically more than others not taking away from the importance of other uh curriculum or anything but it just seems like it those type of classes art music stuff like that have the biggest impact on people which is why I, if these if these schools aren't implementing art and music classes they should because i think it really has a huge impact on on, on kids so I, I've always remembered that. Don't know why, but I remember him sitting down and trying to teach somebody that has no clue what they're doing how to draw. And he was a really good, really good guy and still is a really good guy. <clears throat> but I just thought that was neat, you know, that I always remembered that. And it always stuck with me how important and how much I enjoyed it, even though I wasn't any good at it. I, I had a – it's kind of funny, you know, you can – you start talking about artists, start going back through my whole life. I remember, you know, we was uh, raised in a Pentecostal church, mm -hmm. and we uh, we take. I met Donald Wells, and we'd sit together in church, and then it and then yeah. it was now we're drawing, you know, during yeah, yeah. church service. Uh, yeah. He'd be drawing sharks, and I'd be drawing the Roadrunner and Wally Coyote, yeah. you know, and and uh, but as. Uh, I got laid off from General Electric, and I was laid off for about three years, and I decided, well, I'm going to start a business. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I, I think I'm going to call it We'll Paint Anything. Oh, yeah? Because because Donald, he was at that time painting uh, cars, doing, uh, you know, and, and things I didn't know, you know, like raised raised uh, pinstriping and mm -hmm. pinstriping that looks like it's in the paint. And, oh, yeah. And, and plus, you know, doing the sides of vans with an airbrush and all that. and. And uh, I just got done fooling around with airbrushes and doing a couple of motorcycle tanks. And uh, 
had one we did a script lettering on and then the other one we had a big wizard you know blowing up a highway you know on his deck yeah, and yeah. we wanted black magic written down this on both sides oh, yeah so i did that and i think that bike went to australia and got sold and <laughs> and then uh then i thought well i'll go approach donald and i said donald let's, why don't we start a business i said i said you know i painted motorcycles you did the vans i said i said we both can draw and i, I thought you know and i did I did layout and advertising and lettering. I thought, you know, we'll just paint anything. I don't care if it's a big water tower. Let's yeah, yeah. Just paint it. And uh, and Donald just got called back to Ford, I think, up there in Connorsville. Yeah. And you know, when he was laid off, it was sounding good. Oh, he got yeah. called back to Ford, but I got called back to GE. And and uh, but I thought, man, I always wonder how that would have turned out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always wonder if I went and seen my granddaughter painting after not painting for thirty years. Well, where would I be? as a painter today if i wouldn't have mm -hmm. just quit and not did anything for 30 years yeah man you, you know because i should have pursued something but you know yeah. when you got a cush job and oh you, yeah you know. yeah yeah the, I, i've i've had instances like that before where i've thought of you know what ifs and what have yous and what if i did this and what if i did that and stuff i think everybody probably struggles with one or two times in their life where they done that but yeah i i took a spell the same way with art i took a spell where i didn't fish for like 30 years oh really i mean i was working working the overtime and doing all yeah. that you know and mm -hmm. uh, but but when i went back to fishing it's like a fever oh yeah it got so bad when i'd get off from work i mean i'd take my stuff to make my bait to work oh, and i really? would make it while i was at work and oh, then when okay. i got i tell I tell my wife I'm gonna be at the fishing lake, you know. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be hitting these fishing lakes and stuff just fishing, mm -hmm. and and I'd get up sometimes and fish before I went to work. Really. I mean, and then I'd fish the weekend and stay all night, you know. So you did have the fever. <laughs> yeah, really bad. And, I, I, and for the and then that drew in my son got to fishing with me. My son-in-law got to fishing with me. My yeah. My brother's uh, son was fishing with me, and we were always running, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that lasted about three years. I uh -huh. mean. We just fished our brains out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my dad taking me fishing and stuff like that. There, I hunt and fish. I ain't hunted in probably a couple of years. Uh, you've probably seen me over there through the through the years coming and going over yeah. there hunting and stuff. But uh, I'd rather fish as anything. As far as outdoors, outdoors and stuff, I really enjoy hunting, but it's usually cold and freezing to death and stuff. But there's nothing like throwing a line in in the water and something you don't know what you know it's a fish, but you don't know how big it is really, and you don't know exactly what kind it is. There's just something about something tugging on the end of that line that just gets me hyped up more than anything in the world. So I can definitely see the attraction to fishing, and I don't get to do it much. Uh, I am making a point to get back into it this year. When 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 it fires up and starts warming up, I'm gonna make time. Me and my boys is gonna hit the water. Thinking about buying a boat too. So that'll be fun. I just been fishing in my pond every year, you know, oh, with yeah. my granddaughter. Yeah, and and we'll fish back here. We just got bass and bluegill, but uh, it's my favorite. I, fish I'm for. afraid if I get back. <laughs> i don't know if the wife can <laughs> handle another fever yeah fishing's expensive oh, i mean if you're making your own bait and stuff that's a yeah that's awesome 
but I, I tend to I tend to use art mainly like artificial baits and stuff, and them's not cheap. Some yeah. of the baits is like eight nine dollars a piece and up, you know. So I don't know. I yeah. wanted to. I don't know. I wanted to do the carp tournaments. Oh yeah, that gets yeah. big now. Oh yeah, it's huge. Uh, you know, and and uh, I mean we practice, and then I kind of took on you know I, the way they fish in England. They uh, they make what's called a boilie, mm-hmm. and then they make their pack bait. Oh, okay. And then you take the uh, the boiling, you put your pack around it, and he said that's kind of like a Big Mac, you know. You know, oh, you, yeah. you get to the center finally, and yeah. But uh, and and those those carp, uh, they'll eat on that pack bait, then they get down to that boily, and you know you can get all different kinds of flavors now. Yeah. But man, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing seeing that line shooting out there. With it's the something else. At. It's something else. You know, you want one of the big ones too. You know, yeah, the little yeah. ones a fight, but man. I watched a guy on the internet the other day just scrolling along and he was making his own bait and he was packing. It was, it was something I can't, I don't remember what the ingredients was, but he was putting it in a stocking, like putting it down in a stocking and cutting it off and tying it up and putting it on a treble hook and stuff. I was like, I'm going to remember that. You know, I just look at a little, I took a little screenshot of what he was doing and stuff. I think he was fishing for catfish or something. But yeah, I was like, that's a good idea. That that bait we came up with, I mean, it, it became an all-purpose bait because either we were catching a catfish or a carp, and we we started basically fishing for catfish with it, mm-hmm. and and then the carp was the playtime in between, you know. Oh yeah, and yeah. That, but uh, it, it became like an all-purpose bait for us, man. I mean, because yeah. us catching cats, and we, I mean, we caught enough catfish on it one night. We we put our stringers on a on a pole and two of us carried them up out of there oh our, yeah you know, on our shoulder because wow. we don't go get all the catfish out of there yeah and that was brookville lake <clears throat> that same guy i was telling you about that took up the painting classes he's a he's a, a professional fisherman like he's got sponsors and everything he goes to these tournaments all over and uh he, he does really good and he's like a big time in it like every time he's got half a chance he's on the water so yeah and I love fishing. I, it's just something, you know. What's the old saying? You teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> <coughs> now, besides painting and drawing and stuff, you've got another hobby that I'm real interested in. And these are some some of the most beautiful dogs that I've ever seen in my life. Explain like a little bit kind of in depth about just what goes into breeding this type of dog you got you do i'm trying to think where to start now what is the name of it i know you've got a shirt on is that the name of it warfork mountain shepherds warfork mountain shepherds you've got a facebook page too yes that's uh uh, warfork mountain shepherds facebook warfork mountain uh on the uh internet yeah um I think what got me started, I had a stock coat, and his name was Arco von Bittendorf, smartest dog. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's got a smart dog story. I oh, mean, yeah. You can, uh, let's just face it, you, you, can, you can take a stray onto your property and be the best dog you ever owned. Oh, you can. So, yeah. so I mean, I've had them. I, I oh, was yeah. raised with them. I mean, I was raised with beagles most of, most of all. But uh, uh, when... Uh, I got Arco. Uh, I think that changed me to the German Shepherds. He was a stock coat, mm-hmm. and he w- he was in Schutzen training, 
And that's something, you know, it's one of those desires. I'd love to do that, man. I'd love to be out now, there. Now, what is Schutzen? Schutzen is a, uh, it's a club, and uh, that's where you see the dogs like on TV doing uh, the attack work. Oh, okay. And, and, and there's, yeah. there's a category of three things. They got a, it's a, a tracking and uh, your bite work and, uh, oh, gosh, what's the other one? Right off the top of my head, I can't think of it. You can see I didn't get to go to do Schutzen. But but uh, <coughs> uh, I can't think of it right now. But I think the first one may be obedience. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, I uh, took Arco to a Schutzen club, and, and uh, I was, you know, watching all those dogs out there that day and, you know, how they do this search. They're running behind looking for a guy, you know, and then they pin the guy up against the wall. I thought, oh, yeah. I was amazed at these dogs. And, uh, and uh Arco, he took an interest in it right away. And, you know, this German lady would come down through there looking at the dogs. And I, I got invited by a police officer with my dog. So that's how I ended up at this Schutzen Club. So he said, bring the dog. And I brought him. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's a uh, German lady comes down through there and she goes, she goes, Arco's seen this stuff before. And I said, yeah, he was he was hurt. You know, he got hurt in Schutzen, and, and uh, I purchased him from a, from a lady, and, and uh, she, goes, she goes, that was my first dog's name, Arco, you know. And anyway, at the end of the day, uh, they kind of vote on you, I think, there in Ohio, where uh, if you get to be part of that club or not. But, but it was too far away for me. You yeah, know, yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. Okay. But anyway, as, as we was uh, uh, walking away, I remember one of the police officers had his arm uh, gadget on that the dogs bite, you know. Oh, yeah, that bite glove or whatever. bite glove. And, yeah. and as we was walking walking by, Arco lunged out on the ground and grabbed that glove. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, back then I was, you know, I was like, no, Arco, don't. And that guy said, no, no, no. He goes, See, that dog's been wanting to piece out all day. <laughs> Run him in a circle, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, he just pranced around through there with his head up holding that arm, you know. And, yeah. and uh, then that then that officer said he said let's do this too he said he's keep him on that leash and he goes I'm gonna snap this at him you know oh yeah and, and he says when I say release you release that dog and and I said all right you know and uh, so when he did that you know Arco flew up there and he got that out of that yeah. guy's mouth and then the guy said now run him you know and then I ran him and he goes he goes man that dog's got a hard bite but yeah as make a long story short. Arco could so do do so many things. I mean, we practiced with him at the house. He could find my kids by name. If I say wow. go find Chelsea, he'd go find Chelsea. They'd go hide. That's the impressive. And I mean, if I'd say Tyler, it was Tyler that he got. You know. Wow. And and he could do so much. I was so impressed with him. And then the only regret I ever had is not having a puppy from him. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, when he died, it was over. Yeah. And I think I thought in my mind I could never replace that dog, and I thought. 12 years later, I come across the long hair and I was like, wow, man, I don't even know where I'd seen a long hair shepherd at, but I was like, I was like, man, look to my wife. I said, look, a long hair. Yeah. And I'm like, where did I see a long hair at? How do I know it's a long hair? Uh -huh. You know, but anyway, I, uh, I, before I retired, I went ahead and I started bringing my, uh, dogs over from Poland. Wow. And now we got one from the UK. We got one from Russia. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I I fell in love with the imports and and uh, 
if you go to I'm just telling people you know if you go to poland fci their website and yeah look at those dogs down through there you're going to see colorado jaworski dwar you're going to see feeding von babylon and those were the lines i was after and i've got those lines now wow. and uh and uh the avatar line out of russia and uh uh, uh Bossenberg kennels we now have uh one of boss's son who passed away but i've got his son kimi and uh gosh poshko von Eckenplatz came over here one time from uh poland and he was you know he was on limited breeding when he was over here yeah and uh and i thought i gotta have one of them pups yeah, you know? yeah. And, and 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 he had two males and and then i got one of them right. and uh so i don't know i i fell in love i i like to say it like this those dogs look so majestic oh they do you know and i absolutely like, I, I said that there's something about that majestic look and and i fell in love with the long hairs and i told my wife i said I said that's what I do want to do when I retire. I want to mm -hmm. I want to breed these dogs. They are some of the most beautiful dogs I've ever seen. These long-haired shepherds that you've got, like I was telling you before we started, I was on your Facebook page looking at them, and they are like a majestic-looking creature. Like they're beautiful. I've never, I've never seen a more a more beautiful German shepherd than than what you have, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, they're really something else. Now we're getting comments from our dogs. Like, <clears throat> there's a lady in Texas. She says, "Man, when she takes Max out, we named him Truck, you know, before he left here. Yeah, yeah. But they changed his name to Mac. And uh, <laughs> Mac she <Truck>. says, she <laughs> says, man, you know, uh, when we go out, she says, everybody says, man, that dog looks majestic, you oh, know. Yeah, and, and I'm like, you know, when we were traveling back and forth, when we was moving down here and stuff, I, I, I'd stopped at the filling stations. I'd had people around my truck you know oh yeah uh, we pulled into the motorsports uh off-road motorsports right off the road in up there in lexington oh yeah and yeah. and i think we were looking for a side by side at the time and, mm -hmm. and uh that guy went in there and brought his whole staff out to look at tansy he said can you get that dog out of that car and i said yeah, yeah you know so well you don't see dogs like what what you've got every day you just yeah. don't. I mean, you see a dog out, and you think, oh, look at that dog. And then you see your dogs, and you're like, oh, my God. Somebody's putting some serious, serious time into these animals. They're, they they stand out from other just other dogs. They just do. You know, you can tell that they're top-of-the-line dogs. I mean, yeah, it's, they're, uh, it's unbelievable. They're uh, purebred West German show line. Yeah. That's what they are. Wow, that's something else. Now, I've noticed since you've been talking about them and saying some of their names, they got some really unique names. Is that, like, derived from their 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 home place, or how do you name them? Yeah, a lot of times, when like, like when you see, like, I, I want to be right here, and and probably somebody else could correct me another breeder would probably correct me or something yeah. but but a lot of times when you see like uh uh feed and bond babylon the last name yeah. is going to be the kennel name okay so you know like okay if, if you know uh you guys so that ties it to like, their particular right so breeder. like like you know even though i've got feeding's daughter and, and she gives you know we we get puppies from her i would have to get permission to use the babylon you know, okay. Name. I okay. couldn't just start kind of like copyright. Yeah, this is Tansy von Babylon. Well, okay. Technically, she is, but 
but we named her Tansy. Her her real name was Ellie Cavey, and she come from the Cavey line. So, oh, okay. So she she was carrying the female instead of feeding. So so you know so so I know I've got a Cavey dog, and and man, they're beautiful dogs too. So hmm. so uh, when we have puppies. What we usually call them is like, you know, if I named another one Tansy, it'd be like Tansy Von Warfork. Oh. And we'd put our kennel name on the end. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd, say, cool. I'd say most of the puppies that went out there from us, most people, when they fill out their AKC papers and stuff like that, they, they probably don't even put, you know, Warfork on there. Right. We right. ask them to. Oh, absolutely. But, I would but, too. But if they don't, it's no big deal because, you know, uh, we're we're still getting people saying, you know, hey, where'd you get that dog? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then they say, hey, I got it from a place called Warfork in Kentucky. Yeah, and yeah. Now, when you name the the dogs, do they keep that name when you sell them, or are they allowed to, to change them? Uh, I, I would imagine that's a pretty big deal, to, the name that you give them. Some some do, and I've had people say, "Man, where are you coming up with these names?" Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was wondering. I'm like, "How do you? I've never heard some of these." Like, names. you know, we named one Nicosi, you know, and uh, and Torben means thunder bear. Oh, okay. Torben lives, Torben lives in uh, uh what is that uh, Clay's Ferry. Okay. And uh, and man, I was just looking at pictures of him the other day. I told Tammy, I said, I wish I had Torben back. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. man, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but you know, at least I know where he's at. I've oh e- yeah, I've yeah. Even that's got not to, too far away. Either. I've even got to go see the dog. You know, yeah. and uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm starting to run out of names. <laughs> you know, and it would take a a, a dictionary. Or a vast knowledge of the history and stuff like that to keep up with naming them. I think like Sabaka, in Russian that means dog. Her name, okay. her name's Sabaka Severskaska. You wow. know, our Russian girl. And I think when she has puppy, I like to kind of look up Russian names. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, it it just something that I do. Oh yeah. I, I, I use a lot of Native American names and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, my granddaughter, she'll say, well, let's name it this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you got it. Because yeah. people's going to change it. Nine times out of ten, they'll change it. Right, right. I was wondering because, you know, they are such a high-end line of, of German Shepherd. You know, I would imagine, yeah, some really interesting names comes comes with comes with these dogs. I think They're every one really cool sounding names. I think the next one I took Tammy last night, the next <laughs> black one that we get, the next black male that's born, mm-hmm. I said, I think I'm going to name him Glock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be a cool I, name. I've got a Glock. You know, yeah. There he comes. That that would be better than the original in a lot of ways. <laughs> I've had a, I had a breeder one night. She she wanted to know what the name her dog, and she said, you got any names? I said, yeah, I do got one. I said, I, said, uh, I looked at her dog on the Internet, and I said, I think. I'd name it Nyx, N-Y-X, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she goes, that's it. Nyx. She named the dog and sold it. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that would be a cool name to name it Glock. Like, yeah, this is my Glock. This is my other Glock. This one's got teeth. (laughs) I remember when uh, she's our relation. She's my cousin. And when when they came to look at Torben, you know, I was showing them the other dogs. 
and 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 Mike says, oh, I really wanted to see Thunder Bear. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, said, yeah. Oh right, oh right. You know, and and I went and got him and and that's who they took home. Right. You know, you kind of want to hold on to that one oh, yeah. you see, you know. That would be the toughest part for me uh, if I was to breed dogs, any breed of dog, is letting them go. Because I love yeah. dogs. But, uh, I mean, is it kind of hard to let them go even though, you know, that's uh, the, the intention to spread the the the, the knowledge and yeah. to just produce eight, this great product? I, I, I found this out. At eight weeks <clears> – <throat> It's not too hard. Okay. I mean, not now. Uh, maybe the first litter or, yeah. or or something like that. But at eight weeks, you know, you you don't see their personalities that much yet. Okay. But when when you got them in there at 12, 13, or 14 weeks and you've got four or five left and then you start doing things with them yeah. and they start showing you their personalities, you're like, oh, man, you know, I'd like to keep you two girls. Yeah, you know, and you, I would imagine it, so. It, it gets harder. Plus, there's, I, I have no idea the amount of work that would go into these dogs, you know, from sh- sh- shots and just feeding daily, yeah. uh, just maintaining a good breed it's got to be an unbelievable amount of work i've here here lately this is no lie i've thought about you know we've got 20 goats yeah and i thought and i think about all the ducks and all the chickens and i thought maybe i really need to start letting some of this stuff go so i can key in on these dogs more oh really so you've got i didn't know you had goats and all that yeah so you've got a lot yeah we got a little farm and 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 I'm just now starting to feel like, you know, maybe maybe because they all demand attention. Oh, I guarantee it's that. like it's like almost every shepherd wants to be the only child. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's what it turns into. Yeah, there's the jealousy issues and all that stuff, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, but but all those different personalities stick out like a sore thumb, and mm-hmm. and uh, you, you know, somebody gives me the sad eye. I'm already like, okay, hey, when I get back up here, me and you will do this. You know, I don't care if it's a walk through the woods, walk down the road. Somebody wants to always do something with you. That's very true. Dogs have personalities. I believe dogs have a soul with everything in me. My banjo out there, my border collie, he has always uh, the most loving dog I've ever known in my life. He, for whatever reason, he's scary, smart dog. And I have tried since I've owned him to keep him from jumping up on me. He won't stop. So I just gave up. You know, I was like, he's just the most loving dog there ever was. I'll kneel down and he'll put a, he'll put a, a, a hand on each side of my, on each shoulder, and he'll lay his head beside my neck and literally hug me. It's unreal. Now, he won't lick you in the face. I've taught him. Not to not to lick in the face, just cause I, I just that's just one thing I taught him not to do. So instead of licking me in the face, he'll put his head against my head, just nudge me and kind of just rub my head with his head. That's his way, I guess. But uh, uh, he's he's the best dog I've ever had. Uh, super easy to train. You know, uh, if I'm not outside, I put him in my garage every night just because he's spoiled. And at 930, he's ready to go in the garage. I keep him out of the garage during the day. Sometimes I'll open the door and let him come and go as he pleases. 
but at 930 every night, if I'm not walking out my back door, he's out there barking, waiting on me at the top of the, my little hill here beside my deck to come put him up. And if I ain't out there, he gets he go, gets a little worried. You know, hey, where's my dad? He ain't out here to put me in the garage at 930 at night. And you can ask my wife. He, he, he starts turning on, telling me, hey, I'm ready to go to bed, big guy. Come put me in the garage. And if uh, so, I put him in the garage and have since I've owned him. 9.30 every night, I put him in the garage, and uh, I'll give him a treat, and he'll go get in his kennel. All by himself, I don't have to tell him to do nothing. He just goes and gets in his kennel. That's his safe place, you know. And then every morning when I get home, first thing I do is drive right down here past my basement, go up to the garage, and I'll let him out. Give him a treat in the morning. He don't use the bathroom in the garage. He don't do nothing in the garage. He uses the bathroom in the exact same spot every day on the in the weed line back here beside my garage it's just i've never had an issue at one with that dog <clears throat> so he's a uh, he's impressive they, big border collie fan <laughs> the, their their trainability i mean man it's it, it's something yeah i mean when when uh when Tansy was the first, well, she's the first one I got, you know, after, after Arco died, I probably, you know, like I said, while ago, it's 12 years before I ever thought about getting another shepherd. But when I did that, that got me back into it. And, uh, Tansy, I mean, I'd be driving around with her and I'd tell her stories about Arco. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I say, you got some big shoes to fill. And, uh-huh. and what amazed me was how she did it. I mean, Arco came when I got him, he was like already trained. Oh yeah. But for me to work with Tansy, I, I, I mean, it was like showing her one time. Yeah. I mean, when I taught her to heal, come at me and, and seal. And then when, you know, I'd say plots and she'd plot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, then we got another thing we, uh, we do, we say, we say legs and she'll come get between my legs. So really? Hold her. Wow. You know, and, and, uh, but, but all this stuff like that, I mean, it was like showing her, showing her once or twice yeah and and she could mm-hmm. get it that quick and then you know i'd go to bed my wife worked third shift she'd come home and i'd get up and i say man let me show you what tansy can do uh-huh. and, and i mean she i'd show her and i'd like man i showed her that last night when i got home from work yeah that's kind of how it is with banjo maybe not it probably takes more than once or twice with him but uh man he he's he's super smart he eats a lot and it's hard to keep him fed because he never stops running he just runs every pound he's got off and uh he he don't overeat you know he and things like that but i leave food out for him and he'll just go pick at it a couple two or three times a day or whatever but he's constantly running i'll look out the kitchen window and he's chasing a bird or something and he's caught a few before and that's the only harm that he's ever done in his life is he likes to catch chase and catch birds and man it's it's so lightning fast how he is it's 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 crazy how fast he is it's something else we, we maggie's not not she's uh she's the female border collie i got and she's She's not as smart as Banjo. She's getting there. I'm working with her. But like I said earlier, I told you, before I got Banjo, the breeder I got him from had worked with him a lot. And you can totally tell between the two. Yeah, Tansy, she, uh, I had her, you know, because I had these aspirations of putting her in Schutzen. 
Oh, yeah. And, and I thought, well, she's going to be my Schutzen dog. She can do so much. Mm. Then we had her where, you know, you sit up the, a wall, you know, about 15 yards out on your left and a wall 15 yards out on the right. And, and I had her doing the search. And, and they'll do about six of them in Schutzen down through there. Like a guy could be, they usually hide them on the very yeah. end one, you know. Yeah. And uh, I had her, I had her checking behind trees and everything for Gabby. It got so bad I couldn't, I couldn't go outside and say, uh, "Where's Gabby at?" Yeah. That dog would go looking for Gabby. Wow. But, but anyway, we uh, we set up those walls, and I had her doing the figure eights, you know, mm-hmm. searching. And, and then I, after I got her doing two of them, I thought, now I'm going to have to move it out farther and put me up two more. You know, yeah. once they search, she's got to start looking, you know. And, and I quit right there because I wasn't even sure, you know, I'm working her like this. And I'm thinking, I don't even know if she's going to be able to do it, you mm-hmm. know, or where am I going to go to do it? It's like right now, I think there's a Schutzen place in uh, Lexington. Oh, yeah. Still, yeah. That's an hour and a half for me. That's a long way. You know, it's it's been the story of my life, you know, living in Connorsville. Oh, there's one in Indianapolis. Oh, there's <laughs> yeah. one in Columbus, Ohio. There's one in Cincinnati. Well, everything's an hour and uh-huh. 15 minutes for me. Yeah, yeah. So you're able to get an hour <laughs> from everything. <you> know? <laughs> but, yeah, that, that would – training with them like that, that's something I would really yeah. like to aspire to do because just doing what i do with them out there just getting them to place oh you yeah. know looking at a spot and say place and they go over and get on it and sit and stay and all that you wow. know and giving them a good uh recall and all that i mean mm-hmm. it's just amazing watching them do that to me it is you know it really is banjo he'll you know he'll be running losing his mind running around and i'll tell him to sit and he'll sit and he won't get up until i tell him to which is real impressive. Don't sound like much uh, to somebody, is. but it, for a dog to know or to have the patience not to move until you tell them it's okay, it's really something. It really is something. I've done it this morning with him just to just to keep him, you know, familiar yeah. with it and everything. I, I let him out of his kennel, and he came up to me, and I said, sit, and he sit, and I, back, I had a treat in my hand, and I backed up about 10 or 12 steps, and I'm like, all right, and he – walked over to me and got it you know it's really impressive how much of the, how smart they are and how easy they are to train some breeds you know right. i i suppose probably other breeds aren't as easy to train but uh as far as uh german shepherds and border collies the two breeds that i'm real fond of yeah they're pretty easy to train optimus was my border uh, uh german shepherd he was a short hair german shepherd a beautiful dog I named my boys named him Optimus because his ears stuck straight up and he looked like the Optimus Prime. Yeah, and I thought, God, that's the most awesome name for a German <laughs> Shepherd ever was. So we named him Optimus, and he was super smart, but uh, he was really rough. He was a huge German Shepherd, and he had that perfect saddle on him. You know that that everybody says you want on a German Shepherd. You know that it looks like a horse saddle on their back, uh, and uh, God, he had hands on him massive paws on that dog he was just a brute and uh he was a good dog he was a super good dog but yeah that was something else man he was mean looking but they wouldn't uh they wouldn't mean bone his body <laughs> yeah, i i always told tammy i said my german shepherds look like werewolves they do <laughs> they said, do i said when they're coming at you and that hair is just a oh my god uh, the scariest like, thing in the world it's like it'll get your attention absolutely now, i've never seen them in person 
just on your Facebook page and stuff. Actually, I'd like to come over and look at these dogs. Yeah. Uh, to see them in person, uh, you know, seeing pictures of them, I'm sure it doesn't do them justice as as opposed to seeing them in person. But, man, they are some, I mean, they look like werewolf type, just wolves, you know, because they let long hair flowing and stuff yeah. and really pretty dogs, beautiful dogs. Now, does people, like, go on the Facebook page to – order them and buy them or do they contact you directly i mean i'm uh, sure they have to contact you directly but like do you when you have a litter do you keep them updated and stuff like that on yeah, the growth yeah, we try that? to you know uh <clears throat> you know we're small so you know when, when you do it you got to do it right you yeah. know you don't want to be labeled as a puppy farm oh yeah or nothing like that yeah. you know we won't we won't breed our dogs it's like you know Somebody say, "Hey, man, can I breed with your dog?" You can't do that. Oh yeah. You, you know, because we only we only do purebred. We only keep the lines. We yeah. we don't. You, you just can't do it. You, yeah. You know, now back, I don't know, twenty five years ago, when I was stupid, and a buddy of mine would have said, "Well, I got my dog for five hundred dollars. Can I breed it with your dogs?" I mean, once that gets out there, yeah. You know that you've exposed that dog. You know. Yeah. You, you just don't do it like that. Well, that's what I was wanting to talk to you about. There is a huge amount of like interbreeding, I guess you would mm-hmm. call it, breeding one 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 uh, breed of dog with another breed of dog to make a whole another breed of dog. You, as a, like a legitimate breeder of a top notch breed of dog, like what, how do, how do how do breeders feel about that? Mixing all these different different kind of breeds to make another breed and stuff like that. I've never seen so many different kind of breeds right. of mixed dogs in my life as I do in the last probably five years. I mean, I know what you're saying about not allowing people to bring four or five hundred dog and breed with a three, yeah. four, five thousand dollar dog. Totally understand that. I wouldn't do it either. You'd have to be crazy. Yeah. So I just don't think that. I think it's kind of gotten out of control the interbreeding and stuff and mixing all these different breeds together. It's yeah. taking away the, the, the genuine, I guess, breed of the dog maybe is what I'm trying you, to say. You can, you can go online and go like on a, probably like a German shepherd forum. Yeah. And, and they're going to tell you how they feel about it. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's all I have to say. Yeah, my personal feelings. I, you know, right off the top of my head, I don't really give it much thought. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, I got uh, you. you know, we got a golden doodle, a labradoodle, or all this other things. You know, mm-hmm. they've got um, uh, a pama poo and a yeah. It, you, you know, and, and man, some of these are beautiful dogs. Oh, they do. I, I mean, who they do make one, beautiful dogs? You know, and. Uh, uh, so I don't know. I just I don't really get involved in that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have an opinion about it because I'm kind of feel like people's going to do what they're going to do. You know, they are. They um, really are. Um, if, if you've got one and it's a and it's a good dog, well, mm-hmm. you know, you're happy. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I believe that there's a probably a right way and a wrong way to do it. You know, if you're going about it the right way and breeding. You know, this high-end dog with another high-end dog or something. I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily, but when you're just intermingling all different types of breeds of dogs and just letting them do whatever the heck they want to do, I think that's a little 
It's, it's a little it's, amateur. It's like all my dogs, even though I'm not over in Europe and I'm not be, I'm not able to participate with any of my dogs and any of the things they do. You know, like all my dogs come from what's called a V1 rated parent. You know, okay. I mean, you know, it. Um, you can you can count the uh, like when you look at feeding and you see all of his titles. Yeah. You know, you want to keep that. You oh know, yeah. You want to keep that bloodline. Uh, I'm trying to think of. We want to keep it as authentic yeah, as when possible. You, when, you look at that, when you look at that pedigree and you see the titles by these dogs, those titles are there for a reason. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they just, just happen. And, and people that's breeding the dogs, like over in Europe and Poland and all these other places, I mean, when, when, you're, when you're looking at those dogs and you look at those pedigrees and you see one's like a V2, one's V1, and, and then all the other titles that – stuff you know mm-hmm. uh, i mean they don't have schutzen over there it's called something different i'm uh i might want to see fci at, at fci and over here at the schutzen club yeah but, you know they have to do all the same things and and another thing about over there too you know they're uh i i don't think like in poland and i, and I could be wrong so you know somebody out there say oh no, he's wrong about that but i don't think they're uh allowed to breed a dog unless it's titled oh really yeah okay i mean that don't stop you know your backyard guy over here, yeah yeah you know having some puppies from his litter or nothing like that. i'm not saying that but but uh the dogs we got you know they just if they don't have a title they won't breed them yeah yeah um well that's important you know you keep you the the pure the pureness and the authenticity of the breed you know with the dog so you know and it's and it's not cheap to get one over here Oh, I can't even, you know, so, so when, uh, just, you know, let people know, you know, when I did it, I did it while I was still working Mm -hmm. because I knew, you know, once I went on a fixed income, this I'll be a different bear to, you know, uh, do I take these resources here and put it into a dog? You know, most people die, you know, no, man, I'm going to buy me a car, (laughs) 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 but, uh, I don't know. I, I fell in love with them and, and. I don't know. They're 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 more than dogs to me. They are my friends. Oh yeah, yeah. I understand that completely. It, it gets like that, you know. It's something else. It's really amazing what type of a relationship somebody can can build with a dog because, just like I'm saying, if something ever happened to Manjo, well, of course it will. You know, that's the way life is. It'll crush me. Oh gosh. It'll crush me. My wife will tell you right now, I'm closer to that dog right there, right out there right now than I ever have been to any other dog I've ever had. And uh, <clears throat> it'll it'll destroy me. You know, I told you earlier, Denny, when I when I lost Arco, I didn't have another German Shepherd for like 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Well, the day, it, it got so bad with Arco, and uh, I, I, it's probably hip dysplasia, you know, I mm-hmm. mean... I, yeah. I mean, it was a dog that I went and bought that I wouldn't, that I never bred or nothing. He was just my friend. And, and, uh, I, I mean, I went and got him, put him in my truck. I was carrying him back in, in the house and back outside at night. Yeah. You know, big old, you know, here, Arco's probably 80, 85 pounds. You know, yeah. Probably, you know, big dog. And, and it got to where we couldn't do it no more. And, and, uh, I thought, well, I guess it's time to put him down. Yeah. You know? So I remember that day when I drove off the, 
take him to have him go put down. I stopped at two restaurants. I mean, I think we went to McDonald's. And I said, yeah. you know, here, bud. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. drove around with him one. I thought, well, let's eat here too, bud. You oh, know? yeah. You know, and, yeah. and then uh, when I went in there and they gave him the shot and everything, I'll never forget it, man. It's like going to a funeral in the first place, you know, oh, yeah. or have dog put down. But when, when, when they gave him that shot, his tail stood straight up there and that little white tip on his tail, you know, hmm. it just kind of just kind of just waved. Yeah. And then I went to work and I was telling a buddy of mine about it. He goes, man, Greg, he said, he said he's seen Jesus. <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. I, said, I said, stop it, Dave, you know, yeah. I don't need no more right now. You know? Yeah, man. But, but I thought about that it was a good thought, you know. That is a good thought. I believe they do go to heaven. I believe they got souls. You can't have an animal like that, I don't believe. I don't think there is another animal in the world that acts and shows like, like love the way a dog does yeah i don't think there is i think you're right i can't too. think I, of uh, i can't think of one i've heard a lot of sermons in my life and and some of the some of the best ones that really stuck with me and this for you know german shepherds or anything i mean yeah i mean guys taking the traits of a german shepherd and talking about you know like uh like a bird dog mm-hmm. listening to the master's command you know when yeah. to jump when to do this and now that dog come back and stare him in the eye like we want me to do now you know and yeah and, and mm-hmm. they say you know that's the way the god wants you to be you know and I'm, you know yeah. just little things like that and after having them and seeing them i thought man that's unconditional love it really is. You know, people talk about it, but, you know, you can beat that dog if you want to, and, and that dog will come back to you like it never happened. That is absolutely the truth. And, and you know, and I've seen all that, man. I'm, I'm like, man. It's 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 really something else. Yeah. The, uh, <coughs> the amount of just affection and, I mean, it's love. It's I, nothing is going to act the way they do towards you. And not have some type of feeling towards you. You and, know what I'm saying? And, if, and I've noticed this too, Danny. Like, like you know, if Nicosi's in the house or Rizzo, uh, I gotta have five or six of them in the house same time. Yeah. And uh, and uh, man, I'll be watching TV or something, and I'll look across the room. Cozy would just be over there staring at me. Yeah. Forever. I'll look yeah. over at Rizzo. Rizzo's just looking at me. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, unbelievable. Gotta sleep by your door. Oh, you know, yeah. got you, you, you sit on the couch, somebody's got up there and rest their head, but then it turns into like a chain reaction. One dog gets down my turn. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah Take yeah. turns. It gets like it. Yeah. I can definitely understand that. Banjo is really affectionate dog. Super affectionate dog. I walk out that door right there. He's standing cause he won't go past the corner of my deck and, uh, but he he loves nothing more than to you, get hugged and kissed and rubbed on. I'll give you a few tidbits that I learned from Learberg. Okay. Learberg, that's uh, uh, Ed Fraley. He's been training German Shepherds, you know, for all of his life. Yeah. And, and he's got his own website, Learberg, and, you know, sells all kinds of training tools. Uh, uh, Mike Ellis videos, training Shepherds and all that. And, yeah. and uh, I like the Learberg methods. So... Uh, one one thing that, you know, you pick up some of the things he says, like in one of his video, he says, when a, with a German Shepherd, you got to show that dog you're fair. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and that is so true. You mm-hmm. take five German Shepherds, put them in your house. You'll have that one laying back. If you're giving somebody a bite of something, watch it yeah. and see if you're going to say anything. 
Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's like that with us. What about that? I mean, it, it really does. You've got to show them that you're fair. You can't sit there and, and, and make over two of them. Let mm-hmm. the other three sit there looking you in right in the eye watching. Yeah, like, what in the heck are you doing, man? You said, I'm you here got, too. <laughs> says you got to show them that you're fair, and I'm not too for sure if that wouldn't be for any dog. Yeah. Show them that you're fair. And he yeah. said another thing you got to do, you got to show them that you're a strong pack leader because, uh-huh. because here's the thing about a shepherd. If you're not going to be a strong pack leader, he'll step up and say, then I'll lead it. Mm-hmm. And he, but the key is he don't want to, he don't want to lead. So he prefers you to be the leader of the they, pack. They want to be led. They don't want to lead, but they can try to take charge. What about that? You know, so. Kind of vying for position. Yeah. Little, little things like that. I mean, you know, and you, you gotta, you gotta think about that, you know, when you're getting the shepherd, you gotta show them that, you know, you're going to be a, you're going to be a leader yeah. and you're going to be fair. Now, shepherds are uh, naturally a, uh, what's what's the word I'm, ta- I'm trying to think of? Like, they're a, they're a working breed dog, is that is that right? Yeah. But they're also like a, a, a protective dog or a defense yeah. type of uh, utilized dog, too. So, I would imagine that if you had a bunch of dogs, a bunch of German Shepherds out, that they would be some competition on who's going to lead the pack. Yeah, that's usually what. So they kind of look at you as, hey, he's he, go go talk to him. He's and they boss. and they'll set pack structure. <clears throat> okay. I mean I, that'll happen in a hen house if you watch hens. Mm-hmm. I mean they'll set the way they line up on a oh, pole. Yeah. They'll set pack structure, but uh, but the Shepherds that I've got, they've all got their pack structure. They all look at Big Leaf. Big Leaf's the biggest. He's probably about 130 pounds. The reason, reason he's that big because we had to have him neutered to save his life when he okay. contacted Blastos. And uh, so uh, they all respect him. Yeah. And, you know, and you can see it. They'll show him respect. Rizzo is probably Tansy. Of course, she's she's she was there first. <laughs> she was my first one. And, of course, she's going to let everybody know it. So she's here. the matriarch. Yeah, I was here first. Here first, uh, grandkids come down. Those are my grandkids. Everything's hers. Okay. You know, so I mean, when there's things we have to do, we have to say, well, look, you know, when she, when you come in, pet Tansy, don't pet none of the other dogs. Mm. So she, you know, gets calm and everything's cool with it because she so will, she expects that she will start a fight out of jealousy. Yeah, you're petting this. Mm-mm, you get out of here. You know? Well, it's pecking order. So yeah, so so Tansy. She thinks she's the boss of everything, but the big males will put her in her place. Yeah. So, let's say next is Rizzo. Rizzo's the what I call my no nonsense dog. Mm-hmm. He don't play around. You know, he's serious about everything. Uh, you know, you know, all these dogs want to run and bite each other and play. Yeah. Rizzo's like, I don't play that game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's good for me to look out every once in a while and see him kind of dance around and playing with Big Leaf. Oh yeah. See, it's a respect thing. He's yeah. he's like you know Leaf will show his teeth. Riz could probably, I, I I don't know if he could take Leaf or not, but yeah. but it but he respects him. Oh yeah. And uh, and then of course the other two males, Kimi and Quattro, they're. They're happy-go-lucky, and that's all about the girls, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they want to run. Let us run with them, you know. And, yeah. And um, so Rizzo puts them in their place too. Yeah. And then we got one. Now I've got three that I don't. Uh, Poshko, 
uh, we brought him from over from Poland and and uh, Poshko. He's uh, him and Riz, just the way they look at each other. They, mm. they, I haven't been able to incorporate them together yet. Oh, so they ain't jiving? No. Nope. Okay. And, and and it's easier it's easier to raise a puppy with the rest of the shepherds and let him come up and see yeah, how yeah. thing is than than to bring in another import and say, you know, he's three years old. Riz, you three years old, and yeah. Uh, I don't know this guy, you know. So is it, <laughs> this might be a dumb question, but when you do import a dog, are they always like full grown or more toward the full grown side or are they pups or no? When I or do you only deal with the pups? Like from, uh, the from pup, birth pup, to pups home. are easier now. Now Poshko and his sister Pandora, we had them brought over from Poland. They're three years old. Okay. Pan, Pandora's titled and, and, uh, her brother Poshko, the reason I wanted Poshko was when I originally started, you remember I started with Tansy and then I got mm -hmm. Big Leaf and that was from the dog that came over and they was on limited breeding and I got one of those puppies. <clears throat> yeah. Well, of course I never got to do that. That was my plan. And, and what it, what it is, that's Poshko's grandpa. That's why I got Poshko. I picked up that Ekenplatz law oh. back through Jamal Adi, which was, uh, um, Poshko's son and then jamal had his own website and all that and then jamal had poshko and they renamed him after his great grandpa huh. i mean his grandpa and and i i i ended up picking you know that's uncle leaf to him you know yeah, yeah. so so i got that line back huh. and now that's what we're we're in the process trying right now to uh, breed tansy which is going to be her last breeding yeah and she's going to retire and uh and we're going to try to breed her again with Posco tomorrow. Oh, okay. So wow, well, that's something else. I'm hoping it goes. I've got Maggie put up behind the garage right now, in a in the kennel because she's in heat. I believe she's in heat, and uh, she's too young. I feel like to breed. I mean, I, does it depend on the breed on when a dog is ready to breed? Because I feel like I feel like she's too young to breed like i know that that yeah. can hurt them or cause problems and stuff to breed a dog too early yeah, we gotta wait two years two years okay it takes two years <clears throat> for their bones to even calcify so at, oh. at, at two years then we take them in and first you know you get your blood work done you mm -hmm. you've you can do the AKC and all that, you know, yeah. registration. And, and then and then at two years of age, you get them OFA certified. OFA and, and certified. Yeah, so, you know, you want to have good numbers. So those, those numbers could be like, uh, kind of trying to think how it would be like, you know, you want to be like 1.0, 2.0, and then uh -huh. the farther you get down, then you get into – uh, mild hip dysplasia, fair, and uh -huh. you at least want to get a fair. Yeah, yeah. And you have to have those x-rays done, and then they send them off. And so after, huh. after you get your OFA certification, um, then you're ready to breed. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was uh, fixing to say. When you breed a high-end dog like, like what you do, there are certain expectations that you have to meet from the buyer. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that all these people that know of you and stuff keep track with when you're going to have a new litter and stuff like that. And they probably want to, I mean, obviously want them to meet certain criteria and everything. So, yeah, 
That makes complete sense. Yeah, well, when it comes to that, you know, I know what the criteria is, but to me, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but sometimes when, when you're breeding German Shepherds and you get that litter, you're going to get some wonderful dogs. Yeah, yeah. But then when it comes down to people saying how big will it get, what color oh, yeah. will it be, you know, yeah. and, and you got to remember their color is going to change at least three times, mm -hmm. three years. Yeah. Uh, I, I can remember when I finally, you know, I knew how I wanted Rizzo to look. Yeah. But when he turned all red, I told Tammy, I said, well, I said, he's pretty already. Let's call him Rizzo the Red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then all of his black came in. I mean, oh, okay. he's a different dog than he was at a year old. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought I was really getting lucky to have an all red. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but when his black come in and his rich red, his markings and stuff, I thought, man, you wouldn't believe it's the same dog. So, yeah. So so when people, you know, when they're looking at our dogs and stuff and they're picking out a puppy, you know, somebody may say, well, I want one with a uh, all black mask or I want it, you know, I want mine to be with the most red and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you you can say, well, they'll pretty well keep the markings they got. Mm -hmm. And usually they should. Like if it's got a black mask when it's a puppy, it should have a black mask when it's, you know. Yeah. And but but sometimes man, it's it's like a box of cracker jacks, you know. Well, yes, yeah, toss up. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I know when I first got Optimus, he was almost completely black, and uh, as he grew, you know, he he you know, of course had the saddle, he had the black mask and stuff, and the black went down between his eyes into a perfect V. It was he was pretty, and of course. <clears throat> the black went like halfway down his legs and then went to brown and stuff and he was he was a pretty dog i know that matters to to people you know but it you can't control what a dog's going to look like from the time they was born to two it, three it years gets old hard because some, some people say well you know she she looks just like you know my dog that passed away and uh -huh. will will she look like my dog <laughs> yeah you know, that's mm -hmm. a tough one on a breeder because you can't look and say look yeah it's gonna look exactly like your dog that you know oh, yeah i don't even know where your dog came from or nothing like that yeah it's good to have a reminder but will she look exactly like your dog that passed away i don't yeah I, you know you can't really say yay or nay on something like that you can't no. put it time put your name on anything like that but you imagine. you understand why the person's oh saying yeah. That. You know, yeah yeah i'd love to have a dog that looked like arco again I, oh yeah you know dad had a beagle named buster i'd i'd take two of them if i could get yeah, the same yeah. dog back you know <laughs> i had a boxer one time he was a really good dog but he was dumb as a box of rocks and he was massive massive boxer he was just all muscle but he wouldn't hurt a, hurt, a, hurt a fly but he loved to kill chickens when we lived over on potter roads when i had him and i had uh, um, one of those metal buildings big old metal buildings in my backyard <laughs> i thought this killed him <laughs> but he was chasing one of my uncle roger's chickens through my backyard and that building, of course, was up off the ground, you know, on cinder blocks and stuff to level it out and everything. And I remember watching him. I was, I was yelling at him trying to quit killing Roger's chickens because he had killed a few at that time. And Roger, you know, he lived off his chicken eggs and stuff. So he was making a circle around my backyard, and that chicken ducked under and went under that building. Well, uh, Rocky was his name, plowed into the side of that building head first. And it knocked him flat down. I was like, oh, he's dead. 
you know, it's just I don't see how a dog could take a hit like that. And he got up and looked at me <laughs> and shook it off a couple of times and just trotted back and laid down. I was like, and you could have heard him hit that building from a long ways away. I'd say, I'd say if he was in the building, you could probably felt it. <laughs> he was a big dog, but he was, God, he was dumb. <laughs> just other things he done was stupid too. I remember I worked all something <clears throat> long one time because I wanted an Irish setter. Yeah, and I'd read nice the dogs. I read the book Big Red when I was in oh yeah grade school, you know, and I thought, man, I gotta have an Irish setter. Yeah, and I, I worked all uh, summer long for Damon Harrison, and uh, he he sold me uh, his German Shepherd, I'm not German Shepherd, Irish Setter, and, and mm -hmm. it came hunting season. Dad said, well, let's take it bird hunting. Oh yeah, <laughs> we went to a place was this corn was cut down and you know how that water gets in those cornfields big looks like a lake yeah, yeah. <laughs> that dog made a bee line right out into the middle of that oh and God. laid down on its side yeah man dad threw rocks and everything trying to get that dog get out of that water <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think he's going to hunt birds. No, <laughs> you know? don't think and so. You'd yell for him, it, it, it'd stick his head up and just put it right back down in the water, you know. <laughs> it's starting to get dark for that dog come out of there. The Meyer Setters are pretty dogs. Yeah, he's pretty dab on the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to come over. You don't. You, I mean, you're pretty much a neighbor to me. Yeah, uh, wait, you ain't four minutes from no, me. No, no. Uh, I've seen you outside, you know, when I go over and hunt and stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to have to make a trip over and see these dogs in person. Yeah, I'll show you what Tansy can do. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'll get up with you sometime or you get up with me when you're you just free. Just give me a call anytime. Yeah. You know, we're there most of the time. We don't, you know. Have you still got your side-by-side? -side? Yeah. Do you? You go riding any or just use it around the farm? Uh, usually on the farm every day, but I did go with the off-roaders this year and had a good time. Yeah. I was uh, wondering if you was a part of that and went riding and stuff. That's a good group of people right there. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. They got some money in some of them machines. Oh, my God. It's unreal at, these, at the expense, how expensive they are. I felt felt like I showed up with a matchbox, you know. Oh, I would, too. I would, too. And what you got is an expensive ride. And the one I bought, which was the one originally that you was looking at, I mean, they was identical other yeah. than just color. Man, that was that was a good piece of equipment I had. But it they they really do come in handy on a farm, you know. What? Oh, absolutely. I've got one out there, and I've owned it. I bought it new in 2020, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but it's never been on dirt. I've never had it off road. I use it around here, yeah. you know, so I do use it and stuff. Uh, but it ain't got a scratch on it. Bed scratched up, obviously, but uh, I mean, I use it for what I need around here. But I've never had it off road. I don't think. Never had it in mud. I know that. Uh, it's one of them. Uh, what is the name of that thing? Can Am Defender. Yeah. I think it's a Defender. Yeah. Big six seater. It's huge. It's as big as a truck. <coughs> but now, it's. I saw one for sale. I wasn't looking for one. It just happened to pop up on my phone. This guy wanted fifty six thousand dollars for this side by side. $56,000 for a toy, a mud toy. But it was like had a monstrous lift on it, wheels, tars, fully enclosed, heat and air. It was street legal. It had turn signals, a horn, all that. Uh, 
it was it was uh, amazing what this dude what the money that this guy had put into this side by side but he was selling it for like fifty four fifty six thousand dollars it's unreal what what these things cost and they're just getting more expensive but people's going to keep buying them because they are super nice yeah and i paid a lot for mine and mine ain't got none of them bells and whistles on it i got a winch and a sound bar and it's got windshields and I think that's it. <laughs> I don't think I could get mine for what we paid for it now. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. If I you mean, was to go sell yours, you'd make a lot of money on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that guy you uh, told me to call, I mean, yeah. that thing had like, I think he said, well, when he brought it, it was like 19 miles on it. Yeah, it was brand new. Yeah, it still had the knobs on the tire. Mm-hmm. And, and uh nicest guy you ever wanted to meet. Called him up and he said, well, you want me to bring it to you today? Yeah. I said, well, i got to get the wife out the money. Well, you can owe me the money. Oh, yeah? Uh, you know, now you're starting to wonder about yeah, it. Yeah, that kind of would worry you. Yeah, so uh, I, I told well, let me talk to her, and I said, yeah, I'll go ahead and bring it. He brought that thing from up, I think, Danville. Mm-hmm. He drove all the way up here that day, came up here, got his computer out, signed the uh, everything over to me with the uh, warranty and all that, and uh-huh. and uh, I think he had dinner with us, and uh, wow. we took him for a ride, and he told me, you know, that he had uh, lost his wife. Uh-huh. And then I think he had uh, also, uh, I mean, he, he just had it in a little subdivision. Yeah. But but uh, he'd hurt his back. I remember him telling me that. Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. He said, yeah. He said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it, you know. Yeah. And and, uh, and I thought, you know, we gave him 12500 Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Now that would be in the 20s. You know, even back then looking at uh used ones and stuff yeah you know you'd go on a lot and you'd look at a used one they'd want like 10 or 12 and you're uh-huh. like well wait a minute man this guy here's got one yeah mm-hmm. that he put 19 hours on or whatever uh-huh. yeah it was real funny I'll, I'll, I'll probably never forget how that worked out how me and you met because i was there at the guy's house and i think you pulled in in front of me and yeah, you, you said, had your trailer i had my trailer i had just got back from going and getting the trailer so if you'd have been there like, literally, if you'd have showed up five minutes before me, you'd have been taking it home, <clears throat> which was fine. Well, I, I don't know if I'd have been taking it home because I was just starting to look. Oh, was you? And, okay. And, and when I seen the trade, you you know, with the trade. Yeah, you got out and said, did you just buy that? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, because instead of walking up there in the yard and looking at it, you, oh, know, yeah. you had the trailer there. And I, and, and I figured that's what was going down. And then I got to talking to you and you said, hey, man, let me show you this one on my phone. If I had the time, I would have went, you know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I thought, well, you know, I think. That's pretty cool. It matches my truck. Yeah, it <laughs> did, didn't it? So, so I called the guy, and that's how it went down. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. Made a friend out of it, too. Yep. That was cool. I, I'm glad it worked out. You, it couldn't have worked out no better. I think yours was actually quite a bit newer than mine. It had a lot, lot less miles on it, I know that. Yeah, it was like a – well, I moved down here 19, so that it was mm-hmm. a 19. Yeah, it was brand new. Yeah. Mine was – yeah, mine wasn't that new. Mine was quite a bit older than yours. I, I know it had more miles on it. Yeah. <clears throat> the only physical difference on it, yours was orange, mine was black and red or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was the only thing I didn't, that I, I had my heart set on a black and red one. That was, that was what done it for me. But, yeah, I was glad it worked out that way. Yeah, that's the way I was thinking, too. I was thinking, oh, man, this orange is going to work. It looked back, good on the back of a trailer, and I still haven't got a trailer yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got one out there if you ever need to borrow it. It's got a bunch of trash on it from where I was working on my basement, but you can borrow it anytime. <clears throat> well, Greg, this has been fun, man. I've enjoyed the conversation. 
you're an interesting guy. Uh, I'm I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you uh, came on the podcast and talking about you painting and drawing and these these dogs and stuff is really something else. Anybody out there listening, it would do you justice to go on your Facebook page and look at these dogs because it's really they're really a majestic looking looking dog. Really something else. I think Tammy has on her. Uh... <coughs> Excuse me. I think she has on her Facebook. There's a there's a something you can click on, and she's got a spot on her called Greg's Art. Oh, really? Okay, so. cool. I think she does. Yeah, I was wondering if uh, if there's any place where anybody can see it. That's that's really good. Yeah, go on there and check out check out uh, Greg's uh, Greg's artwork. It's really amazing, and the fact that you can do one of those in like one evening, by the it'd take me a year and a lot of help. <laughs> I've gotten faster. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you coming. If uh, if anybody's looking for top of the line German Shepherd, Greg's the man to to get up with. Uh, War Fork Mountain Shepherds, right? Mm-hmm. On Facebook and uh, yeah, check him out. And uh, appreciate you coming, Greg. Enjoy talking. I appreciate to you. being here, Danny. All right, y'all have a good one, folks. We'll see you next time.